It's 6 p.m. and you are tuned to your community radio station, KVMR FM Nevada City, KCPC Camino. Today is Friday, October 1st, 2021. Time to start thinking about your Halloween costume. I'm Kelly Reese and this is the KVMR Evening News. Tonight on the California Report, Governor Gavin Newsom signs a set of bills into law, bringing big changes in police practices and an increase in accountability and transparency for officer misconduct. We'll take a brief look at local entertainment news and weather before Felton Pruitt speaks to John Gurton, who, in Felton's own words, is one of the most amazing guitar players you'll ever hear. And Felton's not one to overhype. This is the California Report. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. California should see big changes in police practices and an increase in transparency and accountability for officer misconduct because of a set of bills the governor signed into law yesterday. The signing ceremony took place at a Southern California park where a man, Kenneth Ross Jr., was shot and killed by police three years ago. KQED's Alex Emsley has more. The laws include an expansion of police transparency, allowing public access to cases involving racial discrimination, unlawful arrests, and excessive force by officers. And officers fired for serious misconduct may now be decertified, preventing them from being hired at another police agency. State Senator Stephen Bradford wrote that legislation. Many times it says black and brown people hate the police. We don't hate the police. We fear the police. Additional new laws raise the minimum age to be a police officer to 21 and establish education criteria and ban restraints that can cause suffocation, such as pinning a person face down. For the California Report, I'm Alex Hemsley. Now, groups representing law enforcement officers say some of the new laws could undermine the ability of police to keep the public safe and are overly broad when it comes to definitions of police wrongdoing. Let's turn to the pandemic. A San Diego judge has denied an emergency injunction request stemming from a lawsuit that's been filed against the state over its mask mandate in schools. The lawsuit was filed by two groups who are pushing for COVID-19 restrictions to be lifted at schools during the pandemic. The groups argue that students should have the right to choose whether to wear masks in the classroom. The Newsom administration says it's pleased with the judge's decision, arguing masks have played an important role in the return to in-person learning. Support for the California Report comes from Hint. Fruit-infused water in over 25 flavors like watermelon, pineapple, and blackberry. No sweeteners, no calories, in stores or delivered from drinkhint.com. Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy harnesses the power of people and science to create innovative solutions for a healthy environment, just societies, and opportunities for human achievement. And the James Irvine Foundation, committed to a California where all low-income workers have the power to advance economically. Learn more at Irvine.org. This week, the California Report is losing a key member of our family, our team. My co-host Lily Jamali is moving on to exciting new challenges outside of KQED, which produces a show. Lily came to the California Report as co-host and reporter in 2018, and it's overwhelming what she's been able to accomplish these last three years, all while regularly waking up at 3.30 in the morning to tape our show. Here's the California Report senior editor, Angela Corral, with a look back on Lily's time here. From her earliest days on the job, Lily made clear that she wasn't afraid to ask uncomfortable questions. Here she is less than a month in, interviewing then-gubernatorial candidate Gavin Newsom. Can I ask you an awkward question? <laughs> I don't want to say yes, because then I'll regret saying yes. The answer is yes. I'm just going to throw it out there. Your ex-wife is dating Don Trump Jr. You, you have the courage to be the first one to ever ask me this, <laughs> which I admire, just the courage of that. And just a few months after Lily started hosting, the campfire wiped out the town of Paradise. It was the deadliest blaze in California's history, and PG&E eventually pled guilty to 84 counts of involuntary manslaughter after investigations revealed the utility ignored warnings about its aging power lines, the same power lines that sparked the fire. Ever since, Lily has been one of the leading voices of accountability for campfire victims, and in March 2020, before the pandemic hit, she went to Crossville, Tennessee to check in on a group of relocated campfire survivors who invited her there. Among them, Dan and Sherry Wentland. Two days after the fire, as paradise was still smoldering, Dan drove in and got a look at the damage. He was once the mayor. 
and saw countless homes, businesses, and churches that he and Sherry had built over decades destroyed. I just said, this will never be my town in my lifetime again. And so I just made that decision, we're gone. I just said, we're leaving, we're not gonna stay here. It'll never be what we knew again, ever. So we chose to leave. Lily also brought deeply personal perspectives to the show. Like this conversation in the wake of the 2020 U.S. drone strike that killed commander of Iranian forces, Qasem Soleimani. It's when Iran makes international headlines that Iranian Americans like me get asked by colleagues and friends what we think, what we know, and what might come next. And often the answer is, I don't know. But I'm glad you asked. Lily's hard-hitting news chops and intelligence are obvious. But on top of that, she's also just fun and funny, even at the crack of dawn. Sorry, guys. I don't know how to turn my snooze off. I really, one day I'll learn. (laughs) My husband hates me for this. (laughs) There's two buttons, stop and snooze, and I always press the wrong one. (laughs) Meanwhile, my family is all in Hawaii right now. I have family vacationing in Hawaii, and I'm just like, I hate all of you. (laughs) 20th time's a charm, I tell (laughs) you. She even talked the writer Susan Orlean into coming on the show after an iconic drunken tweet storm in the summer of 2020, when we were all inching towards our own pandemic existential crises. Let's talk about the morning after. What went through your mind when you saw the response? I woke up and looked at my phone and was astonished, really astonished. And another, and a friend had texted me and said, you're trending. And I thought, I'm trending, I'm hungover. What do you mean I'm (laughs) trending? Lily, thank you for your thoroughness and energy, even in the wee hours. Thank you for your dedication to the California report and to Californians. And best of luck as you continue to push for change in the world. For The California Report, I'm Angela Corral. And finally, my own goodbye to Lily. As you heard, she's a reporter's reporter. Smart, curious, and always relentless in her pursuit of important stories. And on a personal level, she's always been gracious, warm, and supportive. Oh, and she usually laughs at my off-mic sarcasm, and she's a fellow UCLA Bruin. I and we wish Lily the very best. And I can guarantee you, we will all continue to hear great things from her. Just stay tuned. And that's the California Report for Friday, October 1st. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. Our engineers are Katie McMurrin, Danny Bringer, Chris Hoff, and Jim Bennett, with assistance from Seal Muller. Our producers are Mary Franklin Harvin and Keith Mizuguchi. I'm Saul Gonzalez. Thanks for listening, and have a great day. A quick public health update before local entertainment news. From 12 to 4 p.m. on Tuesday, October 5th, Nevada County Public Health offers a free drive through flu shot clinic in the parking lot of Twin Cities Church on Rough and Ready Highway in Grass Valley. The clinic is for adults and children three years and older. The free drive through flu shot clinic will offer the flu vaccine only. To schedule a COVID-19 vaccine appointment, go to mynevadacounty.com slash getvaccinated or myturn.ca.gov. Nevada County records 29 new COVID-19 cases today. Now for local entertainment news. It's the first Friday of the month, which means Nevada City has their art walk this evening. And not to stress you out, but today is the last one. Stroll those quaint streets until 9 p.m. Be sure to stop by the Nevada Theater to check in on their renovation progress. The theater hosts an open house to showcase the new, beautiful artwork that adorns the space. You'll even have the opportunity to chat with the artistic masters themselves. Mixed media painter Sarah Coleman, abstract nature-based mural artist Forrest Alia, street artist and painter Miles Toland, and gold leaf mural and sign artist Amanda Ashley will all be in attendance. This talented group has done projects all over Nevada County, including the large mural in downtown Grass Valley, new signs for the National, the ceilings of the Onyx Theater, and so much more. It's a wonderful opportunity to pick their brains and thank them for their artistic endeavors. 
The 18th annual Downtown Truckee Wine Walk and Shop takes place tomorrow, Saturday, October 2nd, from 12 p.m. to 4 p.m. Enjoy wine tasting, food sampling, and shopping in historic downtown Truckee. Nevada City's Onyx Theater has reopened after shuttering their doors for a time due to the pandemic. And there really is no comeback quite like premiering the new James Bond as your re-entry. However, if you understandably are still hesitant about theater going, the Onyx is allowing groups up to eight to rent out a theater for a private film screening. They have a menu of movies to choose from, of which No Time to Die is now a part of. In a few weeks' time, the new Wes Anderson movie, The French Dispatch, will be added to the list as well. Private viewings will have access to concessions. And now for regional weather and your air quality index. Despite it being October, we'll see warming temperatures with light winds and dry conditions this weekend. The National Weather Service says those cooler fall temps return next week, with, fingers crossed, opportunity for precipitation toward the middle to end of the week. For those in Grass Valley and Nevada City, tonight mostly clear with a low around 56, tomorrow sunny with a high near 83, Sunday will be sunny as well with a high near 84. Today's air quality is moderate with an AQI of 55. Saturday and Sunday's air quality is projected as good with potential AQIs of 35 and 34 respectively. In Truckee and Lake Tahoe, tonight mostly clear with a low around 32. Tomorrow, sunny with a high near 74. Sunday will be sunny with a high near 76. Current air quality is good, with an AQI of 7. Truckee's forecasted air quality for this weekend remains good as well. Tomorrow's potential AQI is 20, and Sunday's potential AQI is 23. And for our friends to the south in Sacramento and Woodland, tonight, mostly clear with a low around 56. Tomorrow, sunny with a high near 91. Sunday will be sunny as well, with a high near 91. Current air quality is good, with an AQI of 48. Tomorrow, good, with a potential AQI of 50, and Sunday good as well, with a potential AQI of 40. All around a weekend of good air quality to see us into the month of October. Up next, Felton Pruitt speaks to guitarist John Gurton. The two discuss Gurton's storied career, including his time playing with Dan Hicks and the Hot Licks. We're talking with John Gurton. He's one of the most amazing guitar players you're ever going to hear. I guess a lot of folks have heard you over the years. Thanks for talking with us, John. My pleasure, Felton. Let's give people a little background in history. You've been here in, in the Nevada City, Grass Valley area for how long? When did you move up here? I came here, I think, in 1981. Before that, was it the Bay Area or where? Uh, I lived in the Bay Area from about 1969 till 77 or something. I seem to remember you playing in a band that Dan Hicks had. That was a pretty legendary thing, Dan Hicks and his Hot Licks. Yes, I joined that band around, I think, around 69 or 70, and I was in it for two or three years, and it broke up. It was a great band. It was. How did you come to be part of Dan Hicks' Hot Licks? Um, well, I was teaching guitar in a music store in Mill Valley where I lived. It was near my house. It was called Prune Music. And I used to teach guitar in there, and I worked in the store and stuff. And there was this guy named Mark Yednick, I think, came in, and he heard me play a few times. And he said, boy, you'd be perfect for this band, Dan Hicks and the Hot Licks. And I'd never heard of him or anything, but this guy, Mark, um, took me over to Dan Hicks's houseboat, and I played for him over there, kind of an audition, I guess. Then I went to a couple of their gigs and heard him play, and I really liked their music, and I liked the girl singers, who I eventually married one of them. And um, I got in the band, and it was... I joined the band um, right before for the first tour, first nationwide tour. I think that was 69 or 70. I can't really remember, but, you know, we went all over the place and pretty entertaining. That's about the time that Dan was really hitting it big and, and making a name for everybody. Yeah, well, 
we were on the Billboard charts, they had come out with that album, Where's the Money? And they didn't have a guitar player at that time. And uh, they recorded that Where's the Money album live at the Troubadour in L.A. And so they hired me to be the guitar player for the tour. So I did that, and that was the first real tour I'd ever done. Aside from in my earlier days, I played a few military bases with rock bands, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, and that was quite an experience for me. What was your early experience in music? I mean, how did you become a guitar player? Through your family or just the desire to be a rock kid in the 60s or how? How did that all come about? Well, I started out, let's see, playing clarinet when I was eight years old. Before that, we always had pianos in the house. My mother was a really good pianist. She had perfect pitch and she played organ in the church and played uh, for square dancing on the piano and she was always had gigs and stuff. I played clarinet, I guess, up until I was in high school. And then when I was about 13, I started playing tenor sax. And I didn't start playing guitar until I was 18 years old. You know, I rented a old harmony guitar from a music store. And, and then after I graduated high school and turned 18, I got in this fraternity club at the junior college I went to in Glendale, California. And there was a guy in that fraternity in the same year as me, and he played guitar. He had a Fender Jazzmaster. And these two guys came in from Fresno that played all the Venture songs to play for one of our parties. And I just love surf music. That's, you know, an instrumental twangy guitar music. And so that's when I got a guitar. Right about that time, I rented a guitar and this other guy that played guitar in there kind of showed me how to play a little bit. And for the first year or so, I couldn't play any chords. All I could play was leads. So we started a little surf band. So you did it backwards. Don't most people learn chords first and then get to the lead? Yeah, um, it was different for me, maybe because I, I played ukulele also when I was a kid, like in grammar school, and so I could pick out melodies on it. I've always been able to play melodies on anything. I could play quite a few instruments if I wanted to. Well, you've always had a different approach, I think, to guitar playing than most guitar players. So you weren't like a Jimmy Page or, or Pete Townsend Thrasher from the 60s. And I think this explains it a lot, that just the fact that you started playing lead before you started playing chords. Uh, could be. When I moved to the Bay Area, to Mill Valley, about 68 or 69, before that I'd been playing in rock bands in L.A., I met a guy at the music store where I worked named Ray Scott, who is still living, and he lives in San Francisco. And we started a little band that played in bars around there and stuff. And at that time, I um, discovered a couple of guitar books. One of them was Sal Salvador's Single String Studies, a lot of S's there, and also the Mickey Baker guitar books. So I started practicing about eight hours a day. And this was before I got into hot licks, so I was pretty nimble with my fingers back then. I was probably about, what was I, 25 or 26 years old? I can't remember exactly. So when I got into hot licks, I fit in because I could play those fast tempos and stuff, you know. That's when I really started learning to play the chords and everything, and you know, which now I'm much better at chords than I am at lead. I've gotten to see you recently. You've been out. I saw you play with uh, Peter Wilson uh, a couple weeks ago. You can play with anybody. You can play with somebody doing folk or blues or rock or just about anything. Is there any style that you can't adapt to and conquer? Well, I can't play classical because I don't read very well. And I'm still learning how to play jazz, you know, which is probably my favorite music to play. What are your, some of your favorite jazz guitars? Well, of course, Wes Montgomery, um, Jim Hall is one of my big favorites. Um, let's see, Joe Pass. And I liked some of the early stuff with Eddie Lang. And, and another great one was George Barnes. I like all those guys. Yeah. We're talking with John Gurton, one of the fantastic guitar players in our area for a long, long time. John, just like all of the other musicians in our area, a couple of years ago, this thing called COVID came our way. How did that affect you and your life and your career? Well, I didn't work for a year and a half, probably. 
I've tried to practice for a while, and I just it was kind of depressing, you know, because I didn't know if I'd ever play any again. And at my age, if you don't keep doing it, you lose it pretty fast. So I was kind of was depressing, and I didn't know if I'd play, but somehow I've gotten it back. It's uh, it's been a long haul though, and now it looks like there's this new Delta thing coming, and so I don't know what's going to happen. Well, you're comfortable playing in outdoor gigs, I would assume. Oh yeah, yeah. And I do some some indoor gigs. You know, I, I've been vaccinated doubly, so yeah. ho- hopefully I'll get a booster when the Moderna one comes out. We were talking earlier about just continuing your chops and continuing picking and using your fingers and stuff. And you were saying at this wonderful age that we have reached now, this mature age, there's a level of pain that comes with playing nowadays. That's true. I have uh, kind of arthritic hands and, you know, I do a few hand stretching exercises and stuff. But, you know, it's just not the same as when I was young and nothing hurt and I could play for hours and hours. Now i can't play as long, but I still love it. I just love playing music, you know. Is there a trade-off between pain and pleasure? Because you get there's the pain of playing, but then there's the pleasure you get from playing as well. Well, I don't stop playing because of it. I mean, I, if I did, I'd quit, you know. So I guess the pleasure of it's better. It's just what I do, you know. I The only other thing I do, I can repair computers. Well, we're talking with John Gurdon. What do you have planned for the rest of 2021? We have uh, Peter and I and Joe Craven and Daryl Anger have a big concert coming up in the middle of October at the Nevada Theater. That sounds like a classic all-star event. Yeah, that's going to be fun. And uh have another gig with those guys uh, in Sacramento at a club. I've got a few gigs with Peter. We're talking about Peter Wilson. Peter Wilson, yeah. right. And... um It's been rough. One of my best friends, Bill Douglas, is very ill, and I played with him for about 15 years. One of the best bass players, string bass players in the country, really. He can't play anymore, really. He can play a little bit, but... Uh, I did a gig a few weeks ago with Gary Regina and Jerry Pineda playing bass, which was fun. So hopefully a little more of that. If people wanted um, to uh, find out about your gigs and stuff, do you have a website they can go to? I have a Facebook page. Um, it's under, I think, Johnny Guitar Gurton. Spell Gurton for them. Uh, G-I-R-T-O-N. It's always enjoyable to see you out with whatever members of the, our musical community that you're playing with, and we certainly wish you the best as we roll through the rest of 2021, John. Well, thank you, Felton. It's been nice talking with you. If you missed any of Felton's interview or listening one time just wasn't enough, we can't fault you there. Catch his conversation with guitarist John Gurton on our webpage, kvmr.org, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's our newscast for this Friday, October 1st. KVMR gets support from the Nevada City Farmer's Market every Saturday from 8.30 a.m. to 1 p.m. in Union Alley through November. Featuring sustainably grown food from local farmers, crafts, artisanal offerings, and live music. EBT accepted. ncfarmersmarket.org And Ben Franklin Crafts, locally owned and offering the beauty and color of fall for arts and crafts, home decor, school projects, knitting. Ben Franklin Crafts on Sutton Way, Grass Valley. Online at benfranklin-crafts.com Up ahead at 6.30, we have the California Report magazine. Tonight, an episode that hits particularly close to home for our KVMR community with the focus on wildfires. The California Report looks at a new podcast series, Escape from Mammoth Lake, the true story of how 242 people and 16 dogs survived one of the fastest moving, most intense wildfires in California history as the Creek Fire closed in on their campground at Mammoth Pool Reservoir over Labor Day weekend, 2020. A word of caution, this episode contains actual 911 phone call audio from individuals attempting to escape the flames. Then at 7, we have Democracy Now! with host Amy Goodman. The KVMR Evening News is produced by KVMR News Director Claudio Mendoza. Thanks for listening. I'm Kelly Reese, signing off. Happy start to spooky season. I think that's the official Farmer's Almanac term.